Hi and welcome to Leitrim Daily. My name is Brefni Early and you're listening to the Sports Preview Show here on the podcast. It is episode 242. Now today we're looking at the world of Gaelic games coming back to us at an inter-county level. And there's a huge debate happening as we record this about whether or not that should happen or whether it will happen. We believe the GPA have polled their members, which does of course include the Leitrim Hurling and football squads, as to whether they want to play this weekend or not. And it'll be interesting to see the fallout of that should that vote come back at some stage today on Friday. Uh, It is expected to be announced what the outcome of that is and it may be another obstacle to these games actually proceeding at the weekend but as we record this on Thursday evening uh, at the moment all games are happening this weekend Fermanagh did try and get their game off that was denied it goes ahead despite being down 17 players due to COVID tests and close contacts of COVID positive cases so it, it's it's all up in the air at the moment but as we sit here on a Thursday evening as we record the show uh, these two games take place our hurdlers are out in action in their Division 3B League final against Sligo on Sunday afternoon. While our footballers, they make the journey to Newry in Down to Park Esler take on the Down footballers in Division 3 of the National Football League. It's round 6. Round 5 was back in March. It almost feels like it was a different century ago. There's so much water under the bridge in the last 7 or 8 months. It's, it's a little bit surreal. But that's where we are. That's where we find ourselves. So today we're going to be talking to the two managers of the two Leitrim teams. Terry Highland will be joining us to talk about the whole situation within the football camp ahead of that game tomorrow evening. While Olkin Conway joins us to talk about how the hurlers are faring out in their preparations for their final on Sunday. We'll also be having an in-depth conversation with Niall Moran uh, on his season so far, and I suppose the journey he's taken to come from Leitrim Village and Carrick Town all the way to the showgrounds in Sligo Rovers and the, the journey that he's been on over the last 14 or 15 years as a young developing footballer in schoolboy football, into the League of Ireland and now at a senior level with Sligo Rovers. They, of course, away to Shelburne in a must-win game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, that kick off at 5pm in Talca Park, available to watch on watchloi.com. Lots of streaming going on this weekend as well. Um, Niall, of course, will be chatting to us about all aspects of his career later on in the show. We do also have other soccer representation this weekend. Dervla Byrne back in action, her Piedmont United side, they travel to Galway and they kick off at 6pm on Saturday evening in DC Park. That game live on YouTube. Uh, just search for the Galway WFC and you'll find that game kick off at, as I said, 6pm in that particular game. That game is live. The GA games and the SSE Electricity League game, they do charge €5 Euros to watch those particular games. The women's soccer game is free. In the under-17 league in the Women's National League, Sligo Rovers, they host the Donegal League on Saturday afternoon, so Mern Devaney in action with the Sligo Rovers on that particular game. It's all eyes on the Energia Community Series this weekend, again in club rugby. In Connacht, no game for Sligo this weekend. They're on an idle bye week. Uh, Corinthians, they host Buccaneers, while Galwegians will host Ballina in the fixtures in Connacht this weekend, while in Leinster, Old Belvedere and Jack Elhini will make the short journey to Lansdowne to play against Lansdowne, their near neighbours, while Clontarf and UCD will do battle. Nace host Old Belvedere and Terran College will make the journey to Old Wesley 
to play in those particular clashes this weekend. Old Belvedere and Jack Delhini looking for their first win of the season. So hopefully that comes uh, at Lansdowne this week. It's a, it's a big task, as is every game at that level of the sport in the country. Anyway, let's get on to the nuts and bolts of the action this weekend. It's a fairly truncated version of sport this weekend, but uh, we're going for quality, not quantity. We're going to hear from both managers ahead of the footballers and hurlers return to inter-county competitive action this weekend, as well as a long, in-depth conversation with Niall Moran ahead of another big weekend for Sligo Rovers. Now, it's been a long, long wait since the start of the year when Leitrim played the first five rounds of the National Football League, but it's round six this weekend. Hopefully, we're not quite sure what's happening. At the moment, it's all systems go for Esler Park on Saturday evening, and I'm joined by the Leitrim manager, Terry Highland. Terry, welcome back. It feels like forever since we last had a chat. Yeah, well, look, I suppose it feels, this year feels like forever, but everything is up. There has been that kind of a, a period. To be fair, from a football point of view, yes, it does. It's been a long year, and as I'm not too sure what the sense in, in, in continuing the year was, to be honest with you, my opinion, they should have just drawn a line under it and left it off until next year and see where, where it's at, because you could be told today you're playing a game tomorrow and then next thing everything can shut down, even though technically we... We are elite sports people and we are allowed to uh, operate even at the highest level of lockdown. So, look, we have to wait and see. In terms of, I suppose, the circumstances around the game, down, of course, part of Northern Ireland, uh, it's got a very different regime here from a COVID point of view and restrictions are different. What's your own personal take on, on the game on, at the weekend and whether it should take place or whether it does it really matter in your opinion? Well, look, in the end of the day, as I said before, and said this in some years, I don't think we should have started with the National League. I did say that we could get clubs back up and running. That's given all the football population sport. Once it comes into the county, I felt that if they want to play a championship and the format has been knocked out, as they decided a number of weeks ago, that's what they should have went in. And they should have either left the National League over until the start of next year and used it instead of maybe one of the cup competitions before the start of the league if they needed to play it off or just leave it as is and start next year as the same as it was at the start of this year. Uh, to me, it means because of where the figures are changing and the numbers of cases all over. I mean, I'm in the county now talking to you and we're at level four. Leakton's in the county that's at level three. Down is in the county now that there's a different level of restrictions because it's Northern Ireland and again, it's completely different. So, you know, and this is what we're trying to deal with. In terms of the game, I suppose, as it stands, we're talking on Thursday afternoon and as it stands right now, the game's going ahead. You have to pre- prepare a team on that basis. How is the squad looking? Are there any differences to maybe what would have played round five in the league in terms of personnel? Well, personnel, we've had a number of injuries coming back from club championships. There's lads not available. We have, to be fair, and we have lessons open to the players, and I'm sure every other county and every other management has been the same. Lads have to make up their minds whether they'll travel on Saturday yet or not, because at the end of the day, it's a personal choice. Everybody's circumstances are different. It could be just do work-related. It could be do with home and maybe elderly parents. Or it has a lot. There's a lot of factors in this not away from football. And I don't think Crow Park has factored in this in the decision making. And that been pretty hard line as we've seen. But from man, I'm looking for getting a game changed because they had a large number of cases and they don't think they'd be fit to field a team that's going to be fit to play. But yet they've been told you must play. So I, I think that um, it's once in a hundred year. 
problem for the GAA that I think you know, I mean, this, it, it, we, we had the last pandemic was in the 1919, 18, 19 around that, stay, that, that time. So, you know, I think um, we should be farther down the line as how we can work with rules and uh, see where we're going forward because communication is very, very easy to do, yet the GAA still format is still the same as we tell you and you do. And, you know, that seems to be the way, the way they're running the league at, at the moment. In terms of the Leitrim squad specifically for this weekend, without naming names because that's not fair to individual players, but are there anyone in, is there anyone in your squad that might opt out of travelling on any of those kind of grounds? Uh, I would say there definitely would be some players. Now, and, and, and it's fair to say, and you're right, and it's not to them, because in the end of the day, as we said to them, and we asked the question of them rather than them coming to me and say, Terry, look, I don't want this. I said, if you have any issues, you let us know. Because, you know, to be fair to young men, they will do what, what you ask them to do, or basically they do what you tell them to do. But in this scenario, it's a case that we should have asked rather than tell. And to be fair, you know, we've given them, we spoke about it last night. I said, let me know today or tomorrow, and uh, we take it from there. And, you know, I know we said there will be probably a number. I don't know what the number will be yet, but, and you know, and to be fair to them, uh, it's the right choice because they have issues that they have to address at home or at work or whatever it is. How can you prepare a team in this situation, Terry, when you're not going to know maybe until late on Friday evening who's even available to you? And, and that could change. We've seen with the soccer in, during the week in terms of how Stephen Kenny's plans have been thrown out the window because of late COVID tests. Like That could happen to any team as well. How can you prepare a team like that? Well, you can't really. It's a case of show up on the day and see what happens and who you've got. Because you can't really prepare. You are you're right. They said it, but the soccer and we've seen that, and that's professional guys who are limited to their exposure to the public. Whereas the GEA player is exposed to the public all day long, and then he's expected to go off and act like an elite athlete then on a game day or whatever it is. But yet he doesn't have the facilities to back that up. You know what I mean? In the end of the day, if you are, uh, you know whatever you work at, if you work in a hospital scenario or you work in a school or you work in whatever scenarios that you've been told maybe not to get mixing too much and yet that's your work day. You could pick it up at work as easy, you pick it up outside. And this is the problem with this um, coronavirus. It's it, it, it doesn't pick and choose who it wants to go to and it's so prevalent out there and it's nobody's fault if you get it and uh, that's the way it is. But people do try to mind themselves. They've been told to try and mind themselves. They've been told to isolate They've been told actually not to go and visit their parents now. But yes, it seems to be okay to go and play football. Yeah, it's all a bit strange. Let's try and talk a little bit about football for a moment, seeing as it is a sports show. Um, I think the whole country is sick to death of talking about coronavirus. In terms of the game at the weekend, is there anybody maybe that's impressed you through the club championship? I know you were at a lot of the games through the summer. Has, mm. has anyone come to your attention that maybe wasn't in your initial plans back in March, April? Ah, yeah, but we brought in a few. But some of the lads were in before now. But you I mean young Tom Pryor, we, we would have looked at, and, and he's in there at the moment. See, to be fair to young lads that through the summer, they're probably not a level. And this is no disrespect to the clubs to bring them in to play in the county football because they mightn't have the, the physical prep done. But there has been two or three players that we have, we have looked at and who have stepped up. In my opinion, if they don't step out maybe before the end of this year, they certainly will play football for Leeds in the future. 
Can you tell us who some of those players might be? Well, Paul Keeney, I thought, had a very good year for, for, for Mary's. I thought Tom Pryor had, was, was, was excellent for Baltimore, shall we say. You know, I thought Donny Casey. And, you know, then we had the other lads who we had in, like Jack and all them lads, you know what I mean, Gilhaney, all them younger fellas. They've done quite well with the club this year and they are performing well. And, you know, there they they are guys that will play in the future for, for Leedsham. See, people think that a fella does well in a club match and he should be in, and not alone should he be in, he should be playing, but... You ask any of them fellas in the community, it is a big step up. Yeah, I think they know that themselves. In terms of, I suppose, the weekend's action, what's the expectation in the camp? How, how can you even judge what the expectation should be? Well, our expectation was, of course, a week ago uh, that we were going to go up to down and try and get, and get a result out of it. As the week was wore on, you know what I mean? Again, going back to it, you said, who wants to talk about COVID? But it does influence everything. And the fact that you can't turn on a radio and you can't flip the paper, you can't do nothing anything but it's mentioned in it and you know, then all these things else doubts into people's mind as to what they should do or shouldn't be doing, you know. And uh, uh in the end of the day, I suppose with Leedsum, I always say if you go out and you compete at the best of your ability and the result comes away, well that's what the day has been about. If it doesn't come away, you have to go back and work on what what you need to improve. Uh I I honestly can't tell you how would you know what I mean? I often was good into a match to say, yeah, okay, we have a chance there. Okay, it's 50 50, 60 40, or whatever it is. I just tell you what, he can't tell you anything about the Allen's day because we've only had four weeks with them. We've only had two weeks with probably eight or nine of them, the guys in the finals. So we haven't allowed a prep done with them, whereas well, they were off for six months and then expected to come back within four to six weeks to play at the county football. So now, don't get me wrong, I'm sure the opposition is the same. So it's very hard to judge it. What anybody is going to be like when you go out against them. You don't know what the opposition, how, how prepared they are. I'm sure they have the same queries and the same injuries and the same maybe little lack of fitness and some fellas as we have. You know, So it's very hard to judge it. Yeah, I think certain teams might surprise people with results over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully Leitrim can be amongst those. In terms of the weekend, of course, Tipperary to follow the week after. And that's kind of been the game most neutrals have, have targeted as maybe a, the make or break as to whether we can survive in Division 3. Would you see that the same way? Well, yes, it probably will come down to the Tipperary game. And from that sense, don't get me wrong, we, uh, you know, Tipperary plays awfully. And depending on what way that goes, today Nick is out of Offley and then Offley suddenly back in to, to the pot as well. So, you know, permutations can change depending on what way around go this weekend. And as you said, I'm sure there will be surprises in it from that point of view in every division. Yeah, and of course then the championship to come with Mayo. Just on the off chance, because we're not sure exactly how whether we're going to get to actually physically see you over the next couple of weeks or not because of the, the restrictions around games. But... In terms of Mayo, what's your priority over the next three weeks? Obviously, Loud, uh, then Tipperary and Mayo. Is survival in Division 3 more important than a run in the Championship? Or or what is your I suppose, ambition for the next well, couple of weeks? Well, I'd say they're equal. Look, we, we like to give a game. We like to play well every day we go out, right? The reality is that the Tipperary game probably is, of three games, is the major one at this point in time on the calendar. Survival in Division 3 for Leitham is probably more important to them than, okay, I'm not going to say a run in the Connacht Championship is not important, but it would be great to get a run in the Connacht Championship, but let's get that get league out of the way first, if that's the games that are going to be played in that sequence, and then we can see what we're like going into that Connacht game. But to me, after three games that were fixed so far, the temporary game wouldn't be the, ma- the major one. 
and I suppose we are talking again with that kind of vacuum of not really knowing where we are. Is that within this squad of players and the management team that's around you to survive in Division Three? It is. They're they're good enough. Uh, we want you know what I mean. You know, it's a matter about applications. It's a matter about who's available to us. And uh, if we have all the players available to us. Now, we probably won't have because we know we're real We've got a few long-term injuries, Sergeant McTeague, guys like that. But we have enough players. If Again, going back to what we talked about and again, and if they make themselves available to play, it'll be very, very competitive against the Tipperary and take a result at it. But at the end of the day, people might say Tipperary were in the semi-final a couple of years ago, but they're in the same division as us and, and in the same position in that division as us. So that doesn't necessarily mean that they're any better than us or worse than us, you know? Absolutely. Well, listen, Terry, um, I suppose hoping everything goes all well for you this weekend in terms of the result and the performance, uh, but more importantly, probably in terms of everyone's health, that everyone gets through the game and, and home with no issues with uh, with any virus spreading in the camp or to the camp. So uh, the very best luck with everything that's involved over the next couple of weeks. And uh, hopefully we get a couple more games into the championship uh, through the, the next couple of weeks and months as well. Lovely. Thanks, Bethany. And of course, it's not all about the Gaelic football this weekend as our county hurlers also get their league campaign back up and running after a hiatus of seven or eight months. Uh, they have the Division 3B hurling final against Sligo in the Connacht Centre of Excellence over in Ballyhonas at 1.30 on Sunday afternoon. I'm joined by their manager, Ulkin Conway. Ulkin, welcome back to the programme. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me. It feels like another lifetime since we spoke about uh, County Hurling on the on the programme. What's it like to be back in action and to be looking into, hopefully, all things going well in the next couple of days, uh, a, a league final on Sunday afternoon? Um, look, it's, it is great. It's great to be back out in the pitch. It's great to be seeing the lads again. Um, you know, uh, it's a long time since we were lined up to play the uh, the league final on the Sunday and um, everything was closed up on the Thursday. We had all our plans made and uh, everything was ready to go. But, um, you know, the way the situation was, uh, it was the right call at the time, no doubts about it, that the whole lot was was stopped. Um, but we're, we're happy to be back. We're happy to be ready. We're looking forward to a, a league final against um, Sligo now on Sunday and... Uh, the lads are ready to, to give it everything they've got. Is there any worry that over the next couple of days, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening, is there any concern that you might find the same thing happen again with a, a breakout of COVID in the region over the next day or two? Look, if, if that is the decision, that is the decision at the minute. I, I'm telling our lads it's on and my mind it's on. I'm preparing um, that the game is on on Sunday and not thinking any other way because uh, if we start second guessing, second guessing ourselves and doubting ourselves, we won't be ready on Sunday. So if something happens between now and then, you know we will absolutely respect that decision. It's uh, it's it's not it's up to higher powers than us to decide what happens in them things. But we're so solely focused on getting our heads ready and getting our bodies ready and being ready for Sligo on Sunday. In terms of this personnel that might take to the pitch on Sunday, how different will it be from the the fifteen you would have picked maybe seven months ago when the game was originally due to be scheduled? 
Um, that's a good question, Bradley. I can't remember what team I had picked for the last game. I was so busy um, focusing on uh, this year's county final, for example. It was a good ding-dong match. Um, you know, there probably probably is one or two changes, actually, since that. Um, we we have to finalise the team. We have a team uh, management meeting tonight to finalise and discuss one or two positions. Um, and we have most of our plans late but uh as regards the the last one yes there is one or two lads that um probably weren't starting the last day that are starting on sunday um there's definitely a few changes a few lads have uh you know their nursing injuries and different things as well from the county final and it's um it's probably slightly different sligo have a whole new management team now so it's actually a lot more unpredictable for us uh coming in now we had um we had a lot of work done and research done on what they were like at the time. Uh, you know, we got to watch them in some league matches. We played them ourselves uh, during the league and lost by a few points. So it was, um, it's completely different now. So there is a little bit of unpredictability about it, uh, which, you know, that's fine. We 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 are really trying to focus on what we need to do ourselves at the minute. Uh, you know, we know Sligo are a, superb outfit um they're playing in the christie ring they're playing a, a division higher than us in the championship to have i think six or seven hurling clubs to pick from when we have two so we've no doubts in our minds that we're where you are the underdogs going into this game uh but we don't mind being the underdogs uh we don't mind taking on sligo and um we're just looking forward to it and focusing on our performance on the day you mentioned the, the number of clubs that exist in, in Sligo versus those in County Leitrim, and there is a huge gap there, that five or six clubs that you mentioned, or seven clubs in Sligo versus just the two in in Carrick and Shannon and, and Clunine from Manor Hamilton. Is that a problem when you're trying to pick a team that you have such a small pool of talent to pick from? Not necessarily, because the lads in Carrick and the lads in, in Manor Hamilton are very passionate lads. The um, You know, we have... Uh, we have, uh, you know, a 30-man panel. They come, they train very hard. They give it everything they've got. Um, you know, I, I, I'm more than happy with the squad of players I have. Uh, you know, it, it's they're they're such a good bunch of lads. They're good, good men as well as good hurlers. You know, you, you're, they're really, we're really close knit. You know, we we do talk. We we have the crack. We train hard. We we put in the hard work, and and hopefully all that will come together on Sunday against Sligo. Um, the fact that we have less players to pick from than Sligo doesn't bother me. Uh, you know, it's it's. I want the lads that are willing to put that jersey on and fight for Leitrim. And when they put it on, uh, that's we have who we have, and we we uh, we we work with them lads, and they're very keen to work and learn all the time as well. So again, I just to reiterate, it doesn't bother me. And many players we have, they, they're. The, the bunch you have is the lads that I want anyway they're great lads and I'm very happy with them You mentioned the county final a couple of weeks ago of course played here in Park Sean McDermott and I know we spoke very briefly after the game as we were both leaving the ground and the competitiveness of that fixture over the last two seasons in particular where it's taken uh, last minute gasp uh, goal from Carrick to, to level it and then to win it at the end of this year also went to extra time last year is that a good thing for the county in terms of the competitive nature of, of what is effectively, uh, in most counties, that would be a, a training game between Leitrim A and Leitrim B? Uh, you get to see it in the heat of championship action. Is that a, a bonus? Um, look, 
there's never anything between Carrick and, and Manor and all the years uh, that I've been here, you know, Manor have probably won just as many county titles as Carrick in the last 10, 12 years uh, easily. Uh, so it's, um, it's, it's, it's always been competitive, always will be competitive, uh, you know, and that's what you want. You want lads that are going to go out and uh, give their all for their club uh, and, and both sets players always do give everything for their club. So it's a very, it was an enjoyable county final to watch. I, I, I was trying to watch it on a, on a neutral basis this year and sat back and, and sat up in the stand on my own and just try to watch the... Uh, players for my own benefit um and and i have to say i loved every minute of it uh, it was it was great good hard hitting um fantastic scores uh it, it just it really had everything the drama of the equalizer and the winner uh, you know it, it was it was a great advertisement for for hurling uh you know but me knowing all the players knowing the teams knowing the management i would expect nothing less anyway uh even though it's only two clubs the rivalry, the intensity the game was played at is just fantastic. Uh, and, and it really is it is one of the best games. I, I witness every every year as, as always Carrick versus Manor in the county final. In terms of, I suppose, the, the youngsters coming through that maybe weren't in your plans 12 months ago or 6 or 8 months ago, has anyone impressed you? Has anyone come through that, I suppose, club structure over the last few months to, to kind of put their hand up for selection on Sunday? I would say the short answer is all of them have breath. They they've all improved so much. There's a really good bunch of young fellas coming through. Um, you know, uh, from Carrick, and we have a few young lads from Manor as well, and 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 a few more coming next year. So even the lads that are on the panel this year, you know, over the next year or two, they're going to be under fierce pressure. Uh, you know, that's not to say I'll be the Leitrim manager next year or anything like that but I've, I've seen the crop that's coming through behind them uh, as well and they're very talented so you know Leitrim hurling we, we hope is, is on an upward curve um, it has been an upward curve you know the last few years the clubs have really improved uh, in the last few years their hurling has really standards have really improved uh, and, and the county as well with their fantastic one in the Larry Maher last year Um you know, we're we're in a league final this year, we're in the Nicky Racker Championship this year. So, you know, we, we, we really we hope to progress. Uh, you know, that's what everyone wants for Hurling and, and Leakton. We keep progressing and keep improving and a lot of that comes from it starts at the clubs, uh, and it starts with the young lads at the clubs and, and it's definitely starting to filter through onto the county as well. In terms of the overall picture of Hurling in the county though, how much of a help would it be to to your efforts or to whoever might be in the Leitrim job in the future if there was a, a re-emergence of the likes of Gortletra and, and Balnamore who have been so successful in, in hurling in the county over the last 30 or 40 years? Um, look, would it be great to have more clubs? Of course it would be. There's no point in saying uh, otherwise. It would be fantastic to have more clubs. Um, but a, a club like Balnamore or Gortletra at, at it has to really start from the ground up. So you, you're talking a long time. You have to have the youngsters coming through, filtering on to senior teams like Carrick and Manor have done, and that's that's very difficult to get going again. And and I know a lot of the players and people in them clubs, uh, you know, and Balnamore and Gartletta, and I know how difficult it is. And and 
the only reason Carrick and Manor have survived over the years is because they get so much help. Uh, you know, there's there's ex-players and parents that come and help out with the coaching and get these young lads to training and to matches and things. And that's that's a difficult thing to organise and get started again. So, look, I know Gartletta and Balnamore are both doing bits and underage and, and hopefully in time they can get up and, up and going again. But... Um, it's not easy. It's not easy in a county like Leitrim where the football is the most dominant sport. But, you know, hopefully they'll battle on and they'll get there someday. Olkin, um, listen, the very best of luck in the final. I hope everything, uh, as we said to Terry a few moments ago, I hope everything goes uh, to plan over the next few days in terms of uh, public health and that the game goes ahead on Sunday. And uh, the very best of luck. And hopefully we have a, a league title coming home to Leitrim on Sunday afternoon. No problem, Bradley. Thank you very much. So here we are down in Drumshambo because of the COVID regulations we've moved outside of the studio environment and we're joined by Sligo Rovers' Niall Morahan for a little chat about I suppose the season so far but also your career to date. Niall you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks for having me. It's been an interesting season for Sligo because I think you've probably been the surprise package of that division. Um, bad start, COVID came in and since the restart it's really been probably one of the form sides in the division. Yeah, I think like you said, maybe the slow start obviously kind of had us as that surprise package coming back. Maybe no one expected us to kind of take off the way we did. And um, but I think, as I've said to you before, I think if the season maintained its natural course, we would have started to put in performances like we did when we returned. And um, thankfully, it moved us a lot further up the table. Let's talk about the last couple of weeks, and then we might go back and take a look through some of the, the notable instances in your career in terms of the last couple of weeks there's been two weeks where you haven't had a game effectively but you're still after last night's result like we're recording this on Wednesday you've just dropped out of the top half of the division for the first time it kind of feels weird for Sligo in recent seasons because they haven't been at that end of the of the league table they've been hovering lower mid table so to be in that position it must be nice as a squad and as an individual player to be kind of looking at yourself towards the top of the table yeah of course obviously the last few seasons um we have been hovering around the lower end um, cutting it quite tight at certain occasions so it is it's nice to have that bit of breathing space but as a group and as a club we want to be moving further up the table and i think when we were in third a few games back um, it was the highest position the club had been in in a long time so um, obviously Dundalk have a lot of games in hand on us and I think they'll secure the third European spot so it's kind of between ourselves, uh, St Pat's and Waterford to battle it out for that final European spot so hopefully we can we can get that, it'll be a massive boost for the club. It's a very strange season, obviously Covid has affected everything across the entire country and across the entire planet but from an electricity league point of view it's when you look at the whole situation you win on Sunday potentially could put you into third place in the league table albeit Dundalk with games in hand but a defeat also could put you into third last in the table it's it's one of those really weird yo-yo seasons where a lot of the teams in the middle of the table seem to be pretty much on a par with each other yeah it is it's it's fairly hectic all right I suppose there's not a massive amount between the teams as it is in general anyone can beat anyone on their day you know so um like I said, when we went from being bottom up to third and now we're kind of down to sixth again. So um, it is it is fairly yo-yo. So you just kind of have to be on your game the whole time and kind of treat every game like a cup final, I suppose. 
if we go back to the restart, uh, that win against Derry caught a lot of people by surprise given the form that both teams had shown in. They were just a few weeks out of playing in Europe. You hadn't won a, a point. I think the only person who managed to get on the score sheets from play was yourself at that stage of the season. It's very different now. The goals have been pretty much free-flowing for Sligo over the last couple of weeks. Some big scores in there. But also on the other side, defending has been a bit of an issue and there's been some high-scoring games that you've come out on the right end of but also on the on the wrong end of what's the view within the camp about the last three games in the season and, and where you're going to finish up at the end of the season uh, obviously we realise it's a, it's a massive run-in uh, I think we I won't say an easier run-in but it's probably not as tough as other teams have of a run-in so um, I think like I said we just kind of have to treat every game like a cup final and just kind of go out and see where it takes us because I think the last few games picking up a loss or two especially against Waterford a draw against St Pat's it's kind of taken the faith of our season out of our own hands and putting it into the the odds of the balance you know so um we just kind of have to go out and try and put it back into our hands and pick up as many points as we can shells this weekend as we said a win could put you as high as third or fourth on the table a defeat sees them leapfrog you in terms of the game how do you approach a game like that at the weekend is there a fear of losing the game or is it a determination to go and win the game that will dominate I suppose, the proceedings for you I think it's absolutely determination to go and win the game we know that they are breathing down our necks but we know what's on the other side of that we know that we can leapfrog another team or two ahead of us so it really is uh, like I said again a cup final in terms of I suppose the way the season has panned out so far you look at uh, the performances and that a team with limited resources and, and really pulled together at very last minute both in February when the transfer window was open and again in the middle of the season with new arrivals coming in uh, what what is it about Liam and John that they've brought to that equation that maybe was missing in previous under previous managers um, I'm not quite sure to be honest obviously since I've come in I had one season under Jared Little um, and the following season Liam came in and there was a big clear out so he's been here for two years now and obviously last year wasn't our best year either but this year maybe because the group has been or a good majority of the group has been around for quite a while we know each other we know our playing styles and we know where we want to go as a group and I think they've brought in other players that kind of want to get onto that same wavelength as us I suppose so that obviously contributes to it as well you know You've played a lot of time this year, maybe more so than you did last year, but you've been ever-present apart from that one suspension. We might talk about that in a second, but in terms of uh, your own game time, you must be happy with the amount of, of time you're playing on the pitch. Absolutely, I am. I'm pretty much playing week in, week out at the moment, and that's what every player wants. And I suppose more this season, I'm getting it in my favoured position in the middle of the park. So, yeah, listen, I'm just delighted to be playing week in, week out. and. That's what you want, isn't it? I suppose as we're sitting here in Rumshambo recording this, I don't know if you're aware, but the Ireland are playing Finland as we're talking at the moment. There's two former Sligo Rovers players in that starting lineup for Ireland today, Sean Maguire and Daryl Horgan. Probably, to be fair, both better known in other roles with other clubs, but both did come through the showgrounds in their history. We look at Ed McGinty on the bench last night for Ireland under 21. Last season, that was you, under-19s, you played in, in a couple of the qualifiers for the European Championships, went to those European Championships, although picked up an injury and, and didn't really participate in that um, competition. Do you look at that as a realistic target for where you can end up personally out of Sligo Rovers? Is that achievable from your current position in the club? Uh, 100%, yeah, I do think so. Um, 
obviously especially myself showing last year ed showing this year and like you said former players showing that the pathway is there and i don't think that's any different or will be any different for myself or other younger players coming up through the club talk about some of the younger players coming through the club because uh how aware are you because you would have come through that under 17 squad with daniel leary colin jinx moved on to to dinky and raf and, and others involved with the under 19s onto jared and then now obviously liam and john in terms of how that's progressed do you keep an eye on what's coming behind you or are you very much now a kind of a always looking forward kind of guy um i would be keeping an eye obviously having gone through all that the whole process myself i would keep an eye and or wouldn't be a massive age difference between myself and a few of the other lads coming up. But um, yeah, I'd obviously keep an eye on results and promising players coming through. And I think as years have shown in the past, there is still a lot of good talent coming through the club. Without putting too much pressure on any one individual player, is there anyone who's caught your eye that you think maybe has a future in the bit of red jersey? Um, I definitely do think so. Um, if you've been keeping up to date, I think Johnny Kenny's been banging in the goals for Sligo. Um, and his old, his old old fellow was quite the player as well, I think. So uh, you wouldn't have seen Johnny play live, but I, I wouldn't. Remember, but I I, I've heard, all right, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I think he's he's seeming to follow, be following in his footsteps a bit. Let's talk about your own uh, start in in the sport. What first attracted you to, uh, I suppose, soccer? Because we're here in Drumshambo, it's where you went to primary school. Yeah. Um, you're. I suppose your family are well ensconced in this place. Your uncle lives probably in shot across the road. Uh, you grew up here. Your mum's from here. In terms of soccer, it wouldn't exactly be known as a as a soccer town. Essentially, it doesn't even have its own club. No. How did you end up playing soccer? Um, yeah, like you said, I think it was in the southern half of the county. There's only one or two clubs, if even, and three in the whole county. I think so. Um, yeah, Drumsham was not a, a massive soccer town or Leitrim Village even, but um, I suppose as a young fellow I was kind of interested in all sports and my parents would have encouraged that as well, so I think I would have been five, six, seven, I can't pinpoint it now, but I would have been going into the AstroTurf in Aura on Saturday mornings and that's kind of where I started. So that would have been with Carrick Town Carrick and of course Town, you played yeah. a couple of years with Carrick Town. Uh, you left after a couple of years to go to Strand Celtic. Was that because there was no team in Carrick or just you felt you'd outgrown maybe the potential there? Uh, I don't think uh, it was because I thought I had grown. It's kind of, I think about it quite a bit. If there was still a team there, would things have panned out the same if I had stayed? Um, but yeah, the team, there wasn't enough numbers the following year, um, sadly. And I decided to go to Strand Hill and the big pull for me there was um, I had the option to play under 15 and under 16 football which was obviously a big factor for my development to be playing an age up and I think that stood to me so that is kind of what helped my decision to travel down to Strand Hill. Of course the following year took you into Sligo Rovers and you were playing a year up there as well under 17. Yeah. That's never seemed to phase you when you've taken those steps forward in, in age groups maybe outside of your own comfort zone. Yeah I think like I said it's kind of stood to me um, especially in recently in my career playing against people older than you and I think a lot of people say that if you are younger and you're playing against older boys or older girls or anyone it's uh, it kind of brings your game on. In terms of I suppose the, the major checkpoints that you've hit over the last few years I suppose that first team appearance I know it was I think it was down in Limerick you yeah. came on as a sub I think we've spoken about it before on the show but um how big a night was that and versus maybe how big a night 
was your first contract signing like which which was more important to you um i think just getting on the pitch for the first time was it's what everyone dreams of you know um i don't think i kicked the ball that day but uh just to get on the pitch and kind of see everything happening it was it was a big uh, big moment for me yeah first start of course came at the end of that season Shamrock Rovers at home in the showgrounds last game of the season uh, kind of a game to nothing the manager's changing you know who the new manager's going to be coming in your chance to impress him but you won man of the match in that first start did you realise at that stage that you were going to go on to have the next couple of seasons that you've had uh, I would have certainly hoped for it alright but um, no I didn't I wasn't massively thinking that far down the line um, obviously at the time it was just quite nervous for my first start and I just went out and thankfully I had a good game you know um, like you said it was, it was a nothing game really end of the season but it was my first start so I kind of wanted to give it everything you know um, but I think that kind of set a standard for myself and I feel I've progressed a lot since then but I kind of hold myself to giving it everything and putting in my best performance. In terms of that game, because obviously people talk about moments and being in the right place at the right time, the fact that new manager in the stand watching the game, your player of the match, does that put you on a bit of a, a better footing with him maybe going on that when he comes in he's like, well, that lad was can, can cut it at this level? Um, I suppose as a new group, I kind, of, kind of level playing field, I suppose, but I certainly don't think it did me any harm anyways. <laughs> In terms of the, the European qualification and the European Championships, was that expected? Well, I know you, you obviously every kid dreams of playing for Ireland and dreams of getting a call-up, but when you hit a certain stage, I think maybe the, the realistic chances of that call-up are, are less and less and less as you get older. So you were 18 or 19 years of age already. Um, did you expect to get the call-up when it happened? Had you any inkling that it might possibly happen for you? Um, to be honest, no. I was getting... Um I suppose all the way up, I was seeing players in like the under-17 team, under-19 team getting call-ups and I was wondering like what's going on, why am I getting a call-up, you know, but um, I think I've always said it, you just kind of have to keep plugging away and not get too bogged down. I would have got bogged down in past occasions, um, but I suppose I kind of stopped thinking about it in a way and just kind of took it day by day game by game and thankfully my my form in the first team kind of helped that you know and kind of took me by surprise a bit I went up to the the trials for very first time and um it was obviously quite a nerve-wracking moment but um I just kind of gave it my everything didn't think much of it um and then a while later I got the call up I suppose so and you got that call quite late into that qualifying round in terms of uh getting over to Russia I think at the time how how frenetic was that? Did you have time to actually sink, let that sink in in terms of how big of a deal that was actually getting selected for your country? Um, it was obviously a massive moment at the time getting the, the email or the phone call or text or I can't really remember what it was. But, um, Such a massive moment you can't yeah. remember. <laughs> I think it was an email but I just remember looking at it and thinking like oh my god like it's, it's happening you know. But uh, I think there was a quick turnaround between meeting up with the squad and flying out. Um, yeah, it was just a surreal moment, you know. Describe going onto the pitch, first time in a green jersey. You're you're about to maybe take the first throw in or free kick or just take your first touch in the match. What's going through your head? Um, so, yeah, I think it was the, we had three games. First game against Romania, I kind of wasn't really expecting to play and I didn't. Um, and the second game, it was against Azerbaijan. Came on the last few minutes and 
obviously when you're told to go warm up you're like okay i'm coming on i gotta get ready and then when you're actually standing on the sideline waiting to go on you just it is it's a nerve-wracking moment i suppose you just kind of have to gather yourself and realize you can go on and you have a job to do um but then obviously once the final whistle blows you're like right i just made my my debut for my country you know and it's obviously a, a proud moment um, and then my first start came a few days later against Russia and that was probably an even better moment I suppose you're you're standing in the tunnel with your jersey on and you're getting ready to walk out to, and then the national anthem and everything so it's really it's uh, something you dream of you know let's talk about that experience for a moment because you mentioned making your debut in the last couple of minutes of a game and then the whole experience of starting the game, maybe the the anthems, the lineup, the, just even getting onto the pitch in a, in that formation. Do not to put a, a kind of a damper on it, but is there a difference between starting a game and being in that starting eleven, the manager's choice, and coming on for the last couple of minutes in a match? I think so. Yeah, everyone everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to start every game. Well, um, sometimes you just can't, especially in situations like that. You're new to a, a group. You're new to international football and. Obviously, if you told me before going out you're going to come on and you're going to start one game, I would have like bit your hand off, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I think um, in t- terms of club football, obviously now you do want to start every game. Um, so yeah, that would kind of be it. Let's talk about the suspension. I know we don't want to, but let's talk about first of all the the two yellow cards, the sending off. What's your thoughts on on the incidents that led to the I suppose the dismissal in the first case? Um, I suppose just to address it, I think it's. It's bound to happen over the course of a season. It's a long season, you know. Um, I suppose I will say I've learned my lesson at this stage. Um, two yellows, yeah. Um, both of them were were avoidable. Um, the first one, it was for dissent. Um, I thought it was harsh enough myself, but um, the ref had warned me to be fair, but I kind of didn't pass any heed. And the second one, it was, 92nd minute I think um, it was it was my own my own doing took a bad touch um, it was nicked off me and kind of without even thinking I stuck my arm out and as people say your man made a meal of it but um, yeah it was avoidable and I suppose it kind of it's never nice to be sent off especially when you know there's 10 lads against 11 on the pitch and if something goes wrong it's it's your fault now I suppose so um, yeah well obviously it wasn't the nicest moment of my career 92nd minute though it doesn't really have that big of an impact in that particular game but then the suspension that it brings with it minimum one possibly even more in your case it was just the one game how do you then react for the next week or two in training because you've got all week knowing that no matter how well you do in training you're not going to be part of that squad on on Saturday or Friday night does that come into it at all or is it really just a case of knuckle down and let, and help everyone else get to that game now. Uh It's definitely a case of knuckle down because um, obviously if you're not in the team um, that team goes out and wins at the weekend then you're out of the team you know I suppose in a way um, so you kind of can't just take it handy oh, I have no game at the weekend let's let's do as you please but um, it's definitely a case of um, yeah just going out like in training every day and kind of showing, showing your worth. I suppose you've come straight back into the team as well after the suspension, which speaks, I suppose, to the the level that you've reached this year and the, I suppose, what they think of you down in in the club in terms of Liam when he's selecting that team. 
a couple of weeks time you face Derry in a FAI Cup quarterfinal you've been in the semi-final last year it's probably the biggest highlight of last season uh, massive capacity crowd in the showgrounds it's gone very different now in terms of match night experience how does it compare now behind closed doors versus maybe the atmosphere that carnival feel of a FAI Cup semi-final uh, obviously a cup semi-final it's it's a massive occasion and especially down in Sligo it's it's a packed grounds you know and I think that it usually stands to us as a team the kind of I've said it before and it's kind of like the 12th man um, last year we we did put it up to Dundalk and I think it was sickener in the last few minutes um, to go behind um, but yeah obviously like running out onto the pitch in front of a packed showground it's, it's something that's once again like it's surreal you know so uh, it's a pity that if we do get to the semi-final stage again this year hopefully we do that um that the crowd won't be there so it is a real pity before that stage though you do have that hurdle of Derry City as we mentioned the current situation I don't really like bringing politics and and health and stuff into a, a sports interview but as a human who's involved in a I suppose a work situation that, that potentially brings you up against people coming from um one of the hardest hit areas in the UK and Ireland at the moment. Is there anything going through your head maybe about a concern about being on that pitch with, with people who live in that environment? Not, I know they're in a little bit of a bubble themselves, but they do still live in, in communities in, in Derry and, and Straban and that kind of neck of yeah. the woods. Um, that's, a, that's a tough one, you know. I think um, it would if, uh, I suppose if you knew there was a chance some of them had it and that they could give it to you and you could say pass it on to your family or relations or grandparents that definitely would play a part in your mind but, um, I suppose hopefully with all protocols that are in place that'll be nipped in the bud before the match even takes place you know so um, hopefully it doesn't come to that obviously with the there was talk of the country going back into lockdown within the last week so uh, we were hoping that the league wouldn't go and thankfully it hasn't yet so um, yeah hopefully with protocols that are in place that it can kind of be kept under control have you as an individual been happy with that, that your health and your I suppose safety has been put first and foremost by the league have you had any concerns about the possibility of catching COVID over the last few weeks and months um, personally I haven't no to be honest um, kind of when we, we came back the very first day of training they kind of told us we have to kind of keep in our own little bubble you know that's we can't afford to be bringing COVID into the, the dressing room, you know, because if someone does that and it's kind of snowballs, the next thing the, the league is gone, you know. So um, everyone kind of realises that, I'm sure, just in, not just in Sligo, but everyone around the league. And I think like it is a professional league and I think the, the protocols have shown that at games and everything, it's well managed. And like I said, every day we're temperature checks before training. It's happened on occasions that boys have been turned around because they were too high, like you said. But uh, yeah, we're, we're masks, social distancing. And uh, so I think that has kind of lessened my fear of catching it, you know. I've just been very impressed with what the League of Ireland have done from an outsider coming in, maybe at the odd game here and there, just covering it or supporting or whatever it might be. In terms of the next couple of weeks, obviously you've talked about the potential for a lockdown. We all hope it doesn't come to that because I think sport even if we can't physically get there, been able to watch it on Watch LOI, which has been phenomenal for the most part, 99% of it has been exceptional. Just to be able to watch the games wherever you want from the comfort of your own house has been great. Even without being able to get to games, it's so important that that sport is still there because it creates the discussion, it creates the interaction with supporters, even if it's all virtual at the moment. What would happen 
in your life? How different would your life be if if the league went in the morning? Um, I suppose it'd be more heartbreaking than anything. I suppose you'd be basically losing a whole year out of your career, and obviously, if it goes now, you wouldn't know what the story would be for next season. But um, yeah, I think, like you said, obviously with matches being back no matter what sport it is it gives people something to talk about back in the the real thick of the lockdown there was nothing on nothing on the tv so you couldn't even talk about matches or anything you know so i think it does it gives um like i suppose people something to talk about or like you said just something to watch you know so um obviously myself i'd i'd still have college and all that kind of crack so i'd be kept busy but um yeah, I just, I wouldn't really, and I think a lot of people would be the same, that they, they hope it wouldn't go to that, you know. How do you think the league is going to fare out? I probably shouldn't ask you how you think, uh, who's going to win the league, but at this moment in time, it looks very much like uh, Shamrock Rovers might have the league wrapped up at the weekend. I know they they were your last opponents. You got very up close and personal with some of them that night, 4-0 uh, on the night. How disappointing is it to be that far off at that point? Um, it is. Or is that a fair reflection of the, of the, of the teams on the night? Um, I think so, yeah. Like obviously, obviously they they gave us quite a quite a beating up there, but any team will do well to go up there and not get a hiding. I suppose you see they bet Waterford the week before us six one, I think it was, and they bet Dundalk the week before that again four nil. So um, obviously Tal is a tough place to go. They they have an unreal style of football, you know, and their pitch helps us. It's a massive area. But um, yeah, listen, they're they're champions elect, I suppose. Um, but I suppose that doesn't really affect us going into the match. You just kind of have to go out and say, All right, we'll give it our best shot. And unfortunately, on the night, it, it just wasn't good enough, you know. Let's rewind a little bit into the conversation and talk about the last three games, league games of the season at least. Uh, it shells this weekend and then there's a Cork yeah. City at home and then again a trip to Dundalk on the last day of the season, I suppose. Uh, Dundalk have faltered a little bit. I know they drew with Finn Harps. They just about got past Cork last night. They're there for the beating. If they're maybe a little bit off your game and you can rise it a little bit, there's a potential three points there. You've beaten them already once this season. You beat them last season. It's not anything new for a Sligo Riverside. In terms of the run-in, what's required to get into that fourth place, to give yourselves a chance uh, if the cup doesn't work out for you? Is that realistic for Sligo? Uh, I think it's definitely attainable, yeah. And I think our best chance at, at getting that fourth spot is, is nine points in the next few games because, like I said earlier, we've kind of taken it out of our hands Um so we kind of just have to go out, try and pick up as many points as possible and hope that the likes of Waterford and St. Pat's, they drop points, you know. But, um, obviously, Shells at the weekend, we've we've done one over them before. So I think it definitely will be a tough encounter again, especially going up to Tolka Park. Cork, we'll be looking to get one back over them, especially after the last night out. Um, and obviously Dundalk, the last day of the season, They'll be coming off the back of uh, a hectic schedule, so hopefully, like you said, they'll be they'll be there for the taking. And of course, the FAI Cup thrown in the middle of all that as well. Sligo, well known uh, in FAI Cup circles, I think three titles in the last ten years. So maybe we can make that uh, a fourth as well. Be great for the Northwest and for the for the club as well, just for that pick me up, because there's been a lot of negativity coming out of all aspects of of life, and it's great. Some of the stories that are coming out of Sligo this year have been really positive. The the, the fundraising by the 
by the supporters was exceptional back in I think it was April and May and it's just been a good news story after good news story it's great to see it and Niall thanks very much for joining me the best of luck in the last hopefully six games of the season as you head for a FAI Cup final hopefully keep the fingers crossed and uh, thanks for having a chat with us here at Leeds right. Daily thanks for having me And that, folks, is all we have time for today. A massive thank you to the three lads for sitting down and having that conversation with me, to Terry, to Ulkin, and also to Niall. Uh, best luck to our hurlers and football squads as they are back in action this weekend. And, of course, everybody involved in what little sport is left uh, in the county and across the country with Leitrim athletes. I'll be back on Monday with a rundown of the results of the weekend and we'll be chatting to some of the participants across the weekend sporting action. Talk to you then.